Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Several years ago, when the left decided that they would advance the cause of illegal immigration and criminal illegal aliens through sanctuary cities, I made the point that they had a lot in common with the Southern Confederacy of old, defying federal law where the Constitution, in fact, places lawmaking with the federal government. Uh specifically Congress, when it comes to immigration laws. And the states decided, several of them, and some of the more radical cities, that they were going to defy the law. They were going to nullify federal law, where federal law is black-letter law in the Constitution in this regard. And so they called themselves sanctuaries. Like during World War II, when Jews and others were held in churches, among other places, as sanctuary against the Nazis. Now we have sanctuary cities and sanctuary states. And in many ways, thanks to the Democrat, we have a sanctuary nation. No borders. No law enforcement. No vetting. Nothing. People can come and go as they wish, despite the fact. Despite the fact that the evidence is overwhelming that this is enormously harmful to our criminal justice system, to our local schools, to our jobs, to our tax base, you know, we're fed with lies and propaganda left and right. But this issue of nullification was something that the southern states believed in during the lead-up to and Civil War. And you see, because the Democrat Party is a chameleon party. It'll do whatever it has to do to destroy the existing society and advance its own power. And rather than fight the central government as it did in the past, now it believes it should control it. And it's spent over 100 years since the progressive movement doing exactly that, reversing course, using different tactics now. And there's no level of consistency when you're an unprincipled party with an unprincipled ideology. They want this massive centralized government, and yet out in the states and in the cities, when they don't agree with federal policy under a Republican president and hitherto a Republican Congress, they believe they should be able to have it both ways. They feel the same way when it comes to elections in courts. Elections are only relevant when they win. Otherwise, they must be undermined. You can see that with the president. There has not been a peaceful transition of power. The Democrats didn't want any transition of power, and that's precisely what's going on in the House, and I'll get to that later. 
But if they can't win in the elections, they go to the courts. And so they try to pack the courts, especially the Supreme Court. And hence, you've seen, since Robert Bork and Clarence Thomas, an array of brutal, vicious character assassination jobs against highly qualified individuals, especially for the Supreme Court. You can see Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is a very, very sick person. I'm talking about physically. She's extremely ill. She's constantly in and out of the hospital. And you can see she's physically extremely fragile. But she will sit in that seat. She will sit in that seat to the very end. Others have done the same thing. Even though to a great extent they're being carried by their colleagues and being carried by their law clerks. We have found that out retroactively through various notes and so forth of other justices and, and clerks. You can see it working its way now with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Left doesn't care. They just want her in that slot. But back when these so-called sanctuary cities began to spread in these dark blue Democrat cities and dark blue Democrat states because they want more and more Democrats. That's what they want. The party of slavery is now the party of open borders. I said back then, the only way to confront this is when it comes to the Second Amendment and these efforts by states and, yes, Congress, to impose unconstitutional, in my view, limitations on the Second Amendment that cities and counties and even states are going to have to take a page out of the left's playbook when it comes to nullification and immigration, which has been cheered on, by the way by the media, and in some respects by the courts. And that is, these counties and towns need to nullify state and federal law when it comes to the Second Amendment. Say, we're just not going to comply with it. We're not going to enforce it. What are you going to do? Lock up all the local sheriffs? Lock up all the local police forces? And besides, we have precedent now. Point to the left, immigration and nullification. I said way back then, Just call them sanctuary cities, sanctuary towns, sanctuary states, depending on how expansive this effort becomes. And you got a little feel for this a year or two ago was starting to happen, and now it's happening big time, especially in the Commonwealth of Virginia, where they know when the Democrats take over in early January, you've got these three bums, statewide office, the governor, who's a sleaze, the lieutenant governor, who has been accused of rape by two different women. And the attorney general, also a guy that uh, was apparently into blackface, those are the leaders, quote-unquote, of the Virginia state government, and now they control the state senate and the state house, and they are radicals. Every bit as radical as every other state. They pretend otherwise, but they are. And so a lot of people see, and a lot of these towns see, that they're going to go after, among other things, the Second Amendment. And this is how the Washington Compost writes it. In Virginia and elsewhere, gun supporters prepare to defy new laws. Now, do they talk about sanctuary cities defying laws? Do they talk about Adam Schiff defying past tradition when it comes to impeachment? No. The Washington Post is a wash rag. It's what it is. It would be out of business, long gone. If Bezos hadn't bought it on a fire sale. 
Gregory Schneider. Amelia Courtyard, Virginia. Families, church groups, hunt clubs, and neighbors began arriving two hours early. When hundreds, spilling out of the little courthouse and down the hill to the street in the chilly air, they were to demand that the Board of Supervisors declare Amelia County a Second Amendment sanctuary where officials will refuse to enforce any new restrictions on gun ownership. I support this. I don't support the idea of <laughs> sanctuary t- <coughs> excuse me, towns and cities generally. But this is the only way to stop them. A resistance movement is boiling up in Virginia, where Democrats wrote a platform on gun control to historic victories in state elections earlier this month. By the way, the moderate Mike Bloomberg, who's nothing of the sort, he spent a fortune on this, and particularly in the state of Virginia. The uprising is fueled by a deep cultural engulf between rural red areas that have long wielded power in Virginia and the urban, suburban communities that now dominate. That is the bureaucracy. The federal bureaucracy now dominates Virginia. Guns are the focus, and behind that, there's a sense that a way of life is being cast aside. In the past two weeks, county governments... From the central Piedmont to the Appalachian Southwest, Charlotte, Campbell, Carroll, Appomattox, Patrick, Dinwiddie, Pennsylvania, Lee, and Giles have approved resolutions that defy Richmond to come to take their guns. And you leftists and Democrats running for president, take notice. We're not giving up our guns. That's not happening. It mirrors a trend began last year in western parts of the United States where some law enforcement officials vowed to go to jail rather than enforce firearm restrictions and it spread eastward. In New Mexico, 25 of 33 counties declared themselves Second Amendment sanctuaries after the state expanded background checks. In Illinois, nearly two-thirds of its counties have done the same. See, a lot of these states, these urban areas, are the tail that wagged the dog of the entire state. So you have northern Virginia... In parts of Richmond, Virginia, there are other little blue areas too that control the whole state. It's like Maryland. You have three, four basic areas that control the whole state, but these are large geographic areas. Illinois, Chicago controls Illinois, but it's a big state. And you go down the list. My oath of office is to uphold the Constitution of the United States, Amelia Sheriff Ricky Walter said Wednesday night as he waited for the supervisors to meet in this rural West county of richmond the judge ordered him to seize someone's guns under a law he viewed unconstitutional walker said he wouldn't do it that's what i hang my hat on he said some of the unrest fanned by gun rights groups such as the national rifle association and the virginia citizens defense league which have used social media and old-fashioned networking to offer boilerplate language for resolutions but the movement is speaking to the anxieties of many who are unsettled by a state that has shifted from red to blue with shocking speed. With shocking speed. When the General Assembly convenes in January, Governor Ralph Northam has promised to move quickly with Democratic leaders to pass measures such as universal background checks, limits on the types and numbers of firearms that can be purchased, and a red flag law allowing authorities to seize weapons from someone deemed a threat. Now, there's several lessons in this. It goes on, but I've read enough. It serves its purpose. 
several lessons in this that are very, very important. For the Democrat Party today, the Democrat Party today, the Constitution means nothing. Especially the Bill of Rights. Why? Because the Bill of Rights were amendments added later by the states to make sure the individual and the individual's lifestyle, property, and person are protected from the state. That is, the federal government. If you're Bernie Sanders or Elizabeth Warren, Barack Obama, Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, and all the rest, they have designs on your liberty, designs on your mobility. In order to advance their fantasies, the central government with an iron fist must control individual free will. Look at history and look at the states that are getting bluer and bluer. More of your income belongs to the state. More of your freedom of movement is controlled by the state. The choice is about your own life. They want to talk about lifestyle, LGBTQ. Let's talk about the right to have your own health care. All of these things have to be controlled and diminished by the progressives in order for them to create utopia on earth. And those who stand in the way must be removed. One way or another, they must be pushed out of the way. They're not about liberty. They're not about the Constitution. They're not about civil liberties. They're not about any of that stuff. They're about power, control. When I say power and control, it's not a party thing. It's them against the individual. The state of Virginia, now that they've elected these Democrats... (laughs) Immediately, what do they want to do? Attack civil liberties. Attack constitutional liberties. They want to go after the individual as fast and as hard as they possibly can. They learn from California. They learn from New York, New Jersey, Illinois, and so forth. You move fast to control the levers of power, to change the voting system. To redistrict, to control it, excuse me, create a one party state. Doesn't matter what you say, you can talk about the people's house and the people this and the people that. The most genocidal, maniacal regimes on the face of the earth claim to be slaughtering the people in the name of the people, claim to be impoverishing the people in the name of the people. As I said on April 15, 2019, the diabolical genius of Marxism-Socialism is that it provides the emotional and intellectual roadmap for autocrats to persuade millions of people to support their own enslavement to government. But there are more lessons here. Lessons for you, if you care about your future, and you do. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. You hear me talk about Hillsdale College a lot, about its rigorous classical liberal arts curriculum, about its exceptionally bright and patriotic students. 175 years ago, Hillsdale College was founded with a mission defined by four enduring purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
While many institutions have lost their way, Hillsdale College maintains an unwavering commitment to learning, character, faith, and freedom. I've also talked about the great Dr. Larry Arn, the president of Hillsdale College. He's one of the finest Americans I've ever known. And he explains that these four purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, remain inseparable in the activity of education at Hillsdale College. He says, learning is difficult and takes more than talent. It takes hard work, which requires character. Freedom is essential for learning, but it is fragile and constantly under threat, so its principles must be studied by all for the sake of its defense. At Hillsdale, faith and learning are integrated toward God because he is the first authority. Folks, if you've ever wondered why I love Hillsdale College, now you know. Visit hillsdale.edu. That's hillsdale.edu for more information. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Remember, that's hillsdale.edu, hillsdale.edu. The Democrats move quickly to consolidate power against the individual. What else do you learn from this article? What else do you learn from this article? You learn that once freedom is lost, it's difficult to get it back. It's difficult to get it back. And there's several reasons for this. I've talked about it before, but I want to, I want to tie it to this point. How the middle keeps moving left. Nobody, I mean nobody, is talking about eliminating Obamacare. Nobody. Nobody, I mean nobody, is talking about getting the annual deficit and overall debt under control. Nobody, and I mean nobody, is talking about eliminating DACA and preventing the dreamers from becoming citizens. Nobody. And I could go on and on. The center moves left. By the way, I reject this, but this is what happens, and that's what's happening today. The center moves left. As radical ideas are implemented... And they're moving on to the next radical idea. You don't even have time to digest the first radical idea. So the first radical idea doesn't seem so radical, does it? But it is, still. And we move further and further away from capitalism, further and further away from constitutionalism, and further and further away from individual free will. That's what you see. This is horrendous. Every single election we have now is an election about liberty versus tyranny. It's all give the Democrats a chance. That's not it. That's why the never Trumpers are so poisonous. The phony moderate Democrats are so poisonous. The rhinos are so poisonous. They don't see the trajectory. I'll be right back. Liberty and learning. In a healthy democracy, these two things are mutually supportive. In America today, however, that bond is broken. To help repair the breach, Hillsdale College has launched the Van Andel Graduate School of Government in the nation's capital. And unlike other graduate programs, Hillsdale teaches politics as a human activity oriented toward justice. 
a series of choices guided in the best case by right principles, but made in ever-changing circumstances that require prudence to achieve the best attainable results. Hillsdale's curriculum combines the careful reading of primary sources and serious historical inquiry. Students learn how to apply the principles of free government and advance the cause of constitutionalism in the context of ever-changing circumstances. Hillsdale's new Van Andel School of Government is a program unlike any other in Washington, D.C. Hillsdale College, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. Learn more at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. And so we see a, uh, an article. It's a very, very important article. There's pushback. There's pushback against the Democrats. I mean, the election will tell us whether the pushback is strong enough by people who've been voting Democrat. You know, we hear about these suburban moms and women I just find you know, Donald Trump just grotesque. I can't, I can't really stand it very much. He just, the way he talked, busing, okay. More crime, okay. Open borders, okay. Higher taxes, okay. But the tweets, I can't, I can't, they, it's the tweets I can't handle. The tweets. These nebishes, yentas. Yes, I see them myself. It's unfortunate. But here's a piece in the New York Slimes. No, it's not about the Holocaust. They, they never wrote much about that. By Nate Kahn and Claire Kane Miller. A lot of these names are new over there at the New York Slimes. I guess they're bringing in new left-wing kooks. And it starts out like this. In a sentence that in any elementary school English class you wouldn't start like this. Yet success in the midterms might not mean as much for Democrats' presidential candidates as the party might think. So you have a subheading to the, uh, the article's title is Two-thirds of battleground state voters who chose Trump in 2016 but selected Democrats in the midterms say they will return to the president next year. And then it has their names and it goes, Yet success! Oh, God. Wow. And this is... According to uh, a recent polling by the New York Slimes Upshot and Siena College, the results suggest the party's winning formula in last year's midterms may not be so easy to replicate in a presidential election. The Democrats' relatively moderate House candidates, they lied. Now they're exposed. They're all exposed. Like Katie Hill, isn't that her name? Oh, yeah. They're all exposed like Miss Katie Hill, former congresswoman, Irvine, California. Democrats' relatively moderate House candidates succeeded in large part by flipping a crucial segment of voters who backed the president in 2016. If these voters remain open-minded again in 2020, Democrats will have a ready-made blueprint for winning back the crucial Rust Belt battlegrounds. The group is only a sliver of the electorate, 2% of registered voters. It is not representative of all voters. They're overwhelmingly white. All right. Then we have a problem. White. What next, male? Oh, yeah, 60% of male. Oh, white and male. And let me guess, two-thirds of them didn't go to college. Two-thirds have no college degree. Oh, the worst of the worst. White males, no college degree. Let me guess, Christian too? 
you know, it's this it so sickens me. The box that the left puts us in. Let me just go on a side point here. If I were to say to you right now, I'm sick and tired of the way white Christian males are being treated in this country. The sickening left-wing machine would accuse me of being some kind of a racist. What are you, Klansman? Neo-Nazi? Um, no, and I'm a Jew, by the way. So why would I be a Klansman and a Neo-Nazi? Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The way race is talked about in this country by certain professors, media types, and their ilk, many of whom, not exclusively, are minorities, about Caucasian people in this country, particularly Caucasian men, is disgusting. Because it's bigotry, it's hatred, it's jealousy. All white men are not alike. And it is a dangerous society where you have this kind of group think, whether it's blacks or Hispanics or Jews, whatever it is. And the same applies to the white population. And look, modern day, modern day, not during the slave period, modern day, white people, Caucasian people, they basically accept it. They basically accept the tax. And if you're a leftist and you're white and a male, you prove your bona fides, you see, to your fellow leftists by attacking yourself. Now, let me be as blunt as I know how. If we're going to do skin pigmentation, then we really need one of those Sherwin-Williams, you know, paint chart things, Mr. Producer. What do you call those things? No, not a paint chart. They come in, uh, never mind, thanks. So they come in these chips, paint chips. And so I would be an olive-skinned American, Mr. Producer. I think you'd be an olive-skinned American. I think Mr. Callscreener would be an olive-skinned American. Mr. Producer's Italian heritage. Mr. Callscreener's Puerto Rican heritage. I'm Jewish with Ukrainian-Russian heritage. And yet we're all thrown in this category, you see. And we talk about it, the three of us, from time to time. We resent it. It's a way to diminish people. So here we have the New York Times, 60% male, mostly white, not educated, and they're going to vote for Trump no matter what. Do they talk about black people this way? Do they talk about immigrants coming into this country, mostly Latino from south of the border? they talk about them that way? No, never, ever, and they never will. And we get these news reports that are linked to on Drudge and others from time to time. Or we have politicians who come out and state it, like Obama used to. You know, in 2044, the white population in this country will be a minority. And you see it in news reports from time to time. And I think to my, uh, I'm not understanding this. Is that now the purpose of immigration? No, just a stated fact. Are we to celebrate this? No, 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 just a stated fact. Well, what does it mean? For society, if that happens. No more affirmative action? No, oh, no, no, no. That stays forever. Well, what does it mean? 
This is what happens under progressivism, whether it's the media, the university, entertainment, or the Democrat Party. It is a very, very dangerous ideology. It is a very nasty invention. It is the progeny of Marxism. But it is modified to try and disarm people who typically would be concerned about these sort of things and to attract people who are dissatisfied with their own lives and so blame it on, quote-unquote, the system. It is a party of malcontents and miscreants led by reprobates and demagogues. When you watch their debates, that's what you see. That's what you see. They can throw out any red meat to their base, and it's never red enough. They can create a government program that takes over this and takes over that, and they never take over enough. They're talking about wealth taxes, VAT taxes, marginal tax rates on the most productive Americans of 70 to 90%, and it'll never be enough. There's just not enough real economic activity that can fund impossible utopian promises. There's not enough. Because one is based in reality and the other is based in fantasy and propaganda. I'll be right back. Mark Since its founding in 1844, Hillsdale College has provided students with sound learning of the kind essential to preserving our civil and religious liberty. Now, I want to tell you about Imprimus, the free monthly speech digest of Hillsdale College. Imprimus is dedicated to educating citizens and promoting civil and religious liberty by covering important cultural, economic, political, and educational issues. First published in 1972, Imprimus is one of America's most widely read publications in support of liberty. With more subscribers, 3.9 million, than the Wall Street Journal and the New York Times, and recent Imprimus publications have addressed issues like free speech, the regulation of big tech, mental illness, and the American medical insurance system. And because America's founding principles are so important, Hillsdale offers Imprimus absolutely free of charge to anyone who requests it. That's right. You can subscribe to Imprimus for free. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to visit Imprimus.Hillsdale.edu for your free subscription. That's Imprimus, I-M-P-R-I-M-I-S, dot Hillsdale, dot E-D-U. Welcome to Hillsdale. I want to talk to you about an organization that's doing important work on college campuses across this great land. I mean, I want you to think of the courage of Charlie Kirk founding this organization, the courage on every college campus to stand up for capitalism and liberty and the Constitution, and yes, this president. And we already have an army of young people who are doing this. They don't get the attention they deserve. The reprobates the freaks, the frauds, the phonies, they get the attention. But Charlie Kirk and his team at Turning Point have built a massive conservative grassroots force organizing, training students at nearly 1,500 colleges 
over a quarter of a million so far. The problem is they're outnumbered. They're outnumbered. Like the Patriots. The Patriots. One battle after another. During the war for independence. They're up against the Redcoats. But in this case, they're really Reds. With or without coats. It's like the Battle of Bunker Hill. The good guys ran out of gunpowder. Well, we can't allow the good guys to run out of resources here. They need our help. Or they wouldn't be a sponsor on this program. But one of the reasons I love Turning Point is because they're making a real difference. And with your support, they're going to train up many, many more conservatives to take the fight to campus radicals on all college campuses. They're playing offense, not defense, and it's working. That's why I'm urging you to support Turning Point. They're winning. But they need your support. We don't have all these billionaires running around funding us like the left do. We have billionaires, but they just don't participate like this. Don't ask me why. I don't know. But these folks need your support to promote conservative values. And when you support them, your gift is now going to be matched. Hello, 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 matched. Thanks to the generosity of other donors. So please consider supporting Turning Point, which is working tirelessly on college campuses to preserve the belief in limited government, freedom and free markets to the next generation of conservatives. Go to markforturningpoint.com right now. Give your support. It'll be doubled now through mid-December. That's markforturningpoint.com, markforturningpoint.com. So by December 4th, Adam Schiff is going to hand the baton to Jerry Nadler. Can you imagine either of those men, let alone both of them, running on a track, Mr. Producer? Would that be the greatest freak show ever? Be like a Monty Python skit, wouldn't it? With their hands flying around and they're waddling across and... Any others uh, on their committees? Can you imagine them being part of the track team? Oh, yeah, I could see it now. It would be a fascinating thing to watch. See, these people are not representative of the country. They're representative of these very blue areas. And they decided it was not right of you Republicans and seriously moderate and conservative Democrats and independents and others to vote for Donald Trump and They thought you were a joke, and now they think you're the enemy. And so they're not going to allow a a peaceful transition to power, and they have fought this from day one, and they come up with one sick excuse after another. And you see the control they have of the federal bureaucracy, which is why you should join me as a conservative. We need to slash government. They control government, folks. Oh, yes, there are patriots here and there, but the left controls the federal government government. That's why they build it the way they build it. That's why you have an administrative state that is immovable. The only way to deal with this is to slash its size. But nobody ever joins me in this. It's not another talk show host, not another politician. The quickest way to get your liberty back and prevent tyranny from rising against your children and grandchildren, the quickest way to deal with the Adam Schiff's and the Nancy Pelosi's, the quickest way to deal with the modern America unfree press and our universities and so forth is to slash the size of government. Government is their sustenance. 
and they tried to create programs so more and more of you are caught in that web. And then they define the growth of government, the centralization of government, the empowerment of the people who work for government is compassionate. Oh, you must hate people. Excuse me? You must hate people. The wild west of capitalism and individualism and what about the safety net? Safety net? We're over $200 trillion in debt. That's one hell of a safety net, don't you think? And then really listen to and look at the people who promote this stuff. Bernie Sanders. I wouldn't want that jackass at my dinner table. He's an old line commie. He yells like one. He is one from Brooklyn. Elizabeth Warren. She's like a school marm without the school part. Lied her way. Lied her way to the professorship. Oh, she's a leader. And I go on and on with the reprobate. Joe Biden. Been a liar his entire life, including up to this moment. But he just forgets about it. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I've told you about the ubiquitous nature of the left. It knows no national boundaries. Of course, Marx wanted it that way, as did others. But the progressive movement didn't even begin in the United States. Really, I would argue it began in Germany. That's my view. Others might say France. But it really, in my view, it began, or some might even say England, but I believe it began in Germany, like so many wonderful things, Mr. Producer. Ooh. Like Wiener Schnitzel. But that's not what I was talking about. And the left is a globalist movement. Conservatism largely is not. The nature of conservatives, the nature of the philosophy, it's unfortunate. But progressivism, as I said, is the bastard child of Marxism. So it's a globalist international uh, movement. Now by globalist, I'm not you know, um, contrasting that with capitalism. People misuse the word globalism. If you look in Liberty and Tyranny, I raised it there significantly. And when I talk about globalism, what I'm talking about is the deference to or surrender to international governing organizations. Like the UN or the International Criminal Court or something like that. We should never do that because that's extra-constitutional. That means the people you vote for or the governing structure that has been instituted in our own country uh, can be ignored or trumped by an international organization. That's why the European Union is such a disaster, such an outrage. That's why Margaret Thatcher rejected it. And the, uh, the Tinos, you know what a Tino is, Mr. Producer? Tories in name only. The Tinos... Like Cameron, among others, and John Major, we're all for it. And the British have paid a price for this, as really have, as all of Europe, when you have these uh, international bureaucrats. 
They don't have ties to these countries. So the idea of globalist government or internationalist government or these entities and so forth run absolutely contrary to the notion of our constitutional system. That's why I oppose them. I don't have a problem with international arrangements when it comes to defense. We're not surrendering our governing decision-making processes. That's different. This whole climate change thing is intended to destroy capitalism, and it's just the newest shiny object, a big one at that, aimed at advancing the cause of Marxism, progressivism. That's what it is. Well, we have an idea. What is that? Abolish capitalism. Oh, that again. Okay. They just put a new picture on it, new face on it. And I've talked many times about how the left in the United States and the left in Israel are almost identical. We have a lot in common with Israel. Israel's a lot in common with us. And our political enemies, aren't they adversaries, Mark? No, they're enemies, actually. The left are identical. And as a matter of fact, many leftists in this country become leftists in Israel. And many leftists in this country try to promote leftism, if you will, in Israel. I know, we have one in the family. Right, Harry? Anyway, uh, this from the Jewish Insider, Jacob Kornblah. Republican pollster John McLaughlin suggested on Sunday that, and McLaughlin's a good guy, suggested on Sunday that Democrats are behind the effort to topple Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, pointing to the work of Joel Benenson. Now, I've pointed to the work of Joel Benenson myself. A prominent Democrat pollster who's on the payroll of Netanyahu's main political rival, Benny Gantz. And you know whose top pollster he was before? Obama's. McLaughlin has been Netanyahu's campaign pollster since 2005 and also serves as a pollster for President Donald Trump's 2020 campaign. In an interview with John Castamidis on the Cats Roundtable Sunday morning radio program, McLaughlin compared the Likud leaders' legal and political battles to the ongoing effort in the House of Representatives to bring impeachment charges against the president. McLaughlin said, I would venture that because our main opponent in Israel right now, a fellow named Benny Gantz, who runs the Blue and White Party, his campaign was just run by Joel Benenson, and Joel Benenson is one of the smartest left-of-center strategists in the country because he was Obama's pollster for both his election and he worked for Hillary Clinton. And just like I'm over there advising President, excuse me, Prime Minister Netanyahu, he's advising our main opponents. So, you know, in 2015, he, wrote, he said, the Obama administration didn't want Bibi to wreck things with their deal they were going to have with Iran. So they were trying to beat him. And now they want Trump and Bibi out of the way. And I agree 100% with this. There are a lot of things here that are in common between Prime Minister Netanyahu him keeping Israel safe and secure, what's going on in Europe, and certainly what's going on in the U.S., where the people basically would like to see Donald Trump removed from office because they can't beat him in the election. He's talking about the same left-wing apparatchiks. And they do communicate with each other. And they are globalists in terms of uh, governmental power. It's, it's, a, it's appalling. You never hear Bernie Sanders condemn this guy Corbyn, who's the head of the Labor Party 
the Labour Party in Britain. He's a Marxist anti-Semite. You never hear Bernie Sanders condemn him. Because Bernie Sanders has a lot in common with him. Now, we have invited on the air and otherwise Bernie Sanders on this program repeatedly. Mr. Producer, let's do it again. Bernie Sanders is a coward. He will shout down opponents on the stage. He will shout down people who interview him. He goes mostly for uh, favorable interviews. I would love to have Bernie Sanders on this program. He can come on my Fox program. He can come on Levin TV, any of the platforms he would like. And I'm the one guy who will do a long-form interview with him and let him speak. But he'll have to let me speak, too. And I would go very deep with this guy because I know exactly where he's coming from. The other hosts really don't. I do. And this is why, I'm sorry to say, none of these candidates will appear with me. Do you know why none of these candidates will appear with me? Because they know after an interview with me, they're finished. Not because I'll shout at them, not because I'll call them names. I do that to humiliate them, to encourage them to come on and defend themselves. No, because we'll go toe-to-toe on substance. We'll go toe-to-toe on philosophy. We'll go toe-to-toe on logic and common sense. They'll never come on this show. We can't even get Mitt Romney on this show. And boy, that's the bottom of the barrel. I mean, those are the sourest of sour pickles. I'm right down there on the bottom of the barrel. I can't get Romney. But I'm quite serious about this. On Life, Liberty, and Levin, none of those candidates will come on the program, even though it's a full hour, not one. But they'll go on virtually every other program out there. Why will they go on Meet the Depressed, on Deface the Nation, on Last Week with... George Stephanopoulos. Why will they go on all those programs? Because they're all Democrats. It's like having a mini convention in a telephone booth. That's why. They can't accuse me of being a rhino party Republican because I'm not. I'm more dangerous to them, actually. More dangerous. But we'd love to have any of them, any of them. Swalwell can come on the radio show. Mr. Producer, invite Mr. Swalwell, will you? But tell him to take care of his bathroom situation before he comes on, would you? We don't do F jokes on this show, you know. Although we laugh very heavily at them, I have to say. (laughs) Martha McCallum seems to love this guy. He's on all the time, isn't he? It's not a criticism. It's an observation. It's like if, again, not a criticism, it's like if you want a, a guy to come on who's, who's a senior judicial legal uh, analyst to attack Trump, you know where to go. You go to Judge Knapp, or you go to Tubin, or you go to, what, what, a, uh, a hair guy, Dan Abrams. You know where to go. It's okay. It's who they are. That's what they want to be. And I'm not telling you anything that's out of school. It's all positive. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. 
It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. I want to talk about Iran for a moment. Now, you need to understand what really goes on behind the scenes in Iran, because unfortunately, our news media is more interested in destroying our duly elected president and shredding our constitution. And in many ways, the Mullah apparatus works the same way with Hamas and Fatah, and it's this. These are not merely Islamo-Nazi fundamentalists. They're destroying their own people and their own economies. They're getting rich. The Ayatollah, what should we call this guy? I gotta give him a name. What should we call him? The Ayatollah, what, what, Kamani, Kamini? Anyway, this throwback. He's worth millions. And these various mullahs who he appoints to these various posts through his lackey president, they control different sectors of the economy in different regions of the country. Fiefdoms. They're like throwbacks. And they're enormously rich. And they steal from their people while pretending to be men of God and religion. And they are power hungry. It's the same with Hamas and Fatah. It is amazing. Two of the sons of one of the founders of the Hamas terrorist group have fled to the West. And they have given chapter and verse about how Hamas operates. Hezbollah, same thing. An outreach of Iran, a, a militia wing of Iran, same thing. Children have fled. They talk about how these men enrich themselves, how they abuse their people, how they use the Jews and Americans as foils. How they have no problem slaughtering their own people, let alone other people. We don't read this in our newspapers. We don't hear about this on our news programs. Our free press is so courageous. They all get together and sit in their air-conditioned rooms and attack the duly elected president. And then when he attacks back to the, oh, he, oh, oh, he's attacking freedom of the press. Oh, my God. Stop calling us the enemy. Oh, my God, God. He's like Hitler. Um. In Iran today. You know what's going on in Iran today? You have to really look hard. The people are rising up. They've had enough. It's just not a matter of the economy. They're rising up against this autocracy. 
And what I believe the administration should be doing strongly is removing all waivers. Do you realize we still have like four waivers on Iran? It's not for like potatoes or anything. They're serious. Wa- we ought to be putting the foot on the gas pedal in every conceivable way economically. Now, the problem is you have the, the Islamo-Nazi regime apologists in our country, the code pinkers. Some of them are on cable TV. When do you want a war with Iran? Uh, hello, morons. They're in a war with us already. Pay attention. They're building ICBMs with nuclear warheads. They've killed enormous number of American troops. We're not attacking Iran. Iran has been attacking. Pay attention, code pinkers. But they're so far away. So was Tojo. So was Hitler. So was Muslim. Oh, you're such a neocon, a.k.a. Jew. Oh, you must be a, uh, a throwback. What, what, you must be part of the military-industrial complex. So this is the kind of mental fluff, the sort of Swalwellian thinking that you get from some of these morons. They're ostriches. They put their head in the dirt, as they say. They think this is populist. Everybody wants to hear this, you know. They'll get a lot of people killed, as they always have throughout American history. Now, writing in the Federalist, Ariel Davidson, as the Iranian regime restores Internet connectivity to vast swaths of the country following a government-opposed shutdown, new images are emerging from the week-long blackout that shed light on the severity of the tensions between the Iranian people and the repressive regime. Naturally, the media has characterized the process as stemming from economic distress resulting from sanctions imposed by the Trump administration. These narrative-building myopic portrayals minimize the long-term concerns of the Iranian people, likely for the sake of salvaging the supposed crown jewel of Obama's foreign policy. The joint... Comprehensive Plan of Action, JCPOA, that's catchy, or more simply, the Iran deal. Now, let me just stop there. If a president was ever to be impeached, it's Obama for this. You make it possible for a regime that wants to blow us off the face of the earth to acquire $150 billion, and you pay them $1.9 billion in foreign currency, sending it plane into Iran without its tail numbers until it was caught by some media guy sitting there, probably staring at his navel. Hey, what's that over there? Oh my God, it's a plane! I just, look at all that money! Anyway, Obama didn't have approval to do that. Was Obama, did he get approval to give $1.9 billion to the Islamo-Nazi regime? I would ask all those who attacked Trump about the border. $150 billion to that regime, and they're trying to impeach Trump, who told the Ukrainian president to help us look into the, the activity of Ukraine interfering in our 2016 election. By the way, Gerald Nadler, you're invited on this program. You want a constitutional scholar, quote-unquote, to talk about the Constitution with you? Come on. Mr. Producer, I'm quite serious. I want you to ask him to come on. We'll be right back. Pundits, news people, 
public officials say, well, they're 8,000 miles away, 7,000 miles. I think to myself, are they not aware of the advent of missile technology? Nuclear weapons? Are they, are they missing? Do they not read? Do they not watch? Do they not comprehend? Is it not bizarre to you, ladies and gentlemen, that people keep saying, Oh, hell, it's 8,000 miles. Hey, hey, 7,000 miles away. Last time I checked, 9-11 happened on 9-11. Some subhuman cockroach operating out of a cave in the middle of nowhere. Afghanistan, most Americans never heard it before. Organized, plotted, funded, and launched a successful attack against us. And we still talk this way. It's incredible. Why do you think Hitler was (coughs) working on long-distance missiles to blow England off the face of the earth and then come for us? I mean... It, it, it's like I, I'm talking to morons in these with these people. Well, we have two oceans, you know, between us. Uh, yeah, we do, but it's not 1492. But it's so far away, Mark. Why don't we worry about our own borders? Well, why don't we worry about our own borders as well as our own national security related to borders and elsewhere? I mean, we are a little bit more sophisticated. Why don't we worry about our own borders? I am worried about our own borders. But I'm also worried about incoming ICBMs with nuclear warheads. Or even the threat of the use of those. We have a lot of serious national security issues, ladies and gentlemen. China is enormously... It amazes me. Some of these code pinkers, they bring on a guy that I like very much. Dr. Michael Pillsbury, and I'm going to bring him back. As well as others as well as others we've had on, to talk about China. Well, why are they worried about China? They're so far away. Why are we worried about China? They're so far away. Let's turn our back. And we turn our back, and look what they do. They try to encircle us. That's what they're doing, economically and militarily. How many more history lessons do we need? How many more millions... Men and women have to die in uniform for stupid mistakes and ideas and ideologies. Foreign policy and national security are not about ideology. That's why people, what are you, a neocon? They don't even know what that means. You know what a neocon is, technically? It's an old-time former Democrat, some of whom were sympathetic to Russia. But anyway, we're sympathetic to, to notions of liberalism and peacemaking and all the rest. And then realized that the Soviet Union was the enemy. And they moved towards conservatism. Not all the way, but towards conservatism. Some of them moved all the way. Then they're not neocons, they're conservatives. So they called themselves, and they wrote about it, neoconservatives. And many of them were intellectuals in the Jewish community. There are almost no... (coughs) excuse me, such neocons in existence anymore. Nobody believes the Soviet Union and that idea work except the neo-left. But they're not neo either. They're hardcore leftists. But there's this weird group. I call them these code pink Republicans. They're very weird. They're the same kind of 
isolationists that existed before World War II, and you saw the consequences of that. Japan was rising. Germany was rising. Italy actually was the first to rise. That's none of our business. They're so far away. They're way, way, they're way over. You can't see them. You can't feel them. You can't smell them. They must be far, far away. So no problem. It reminds me of the, of the simpleton mindset of the climate change types. Look at this. It's winter. My God, we have two feet of snow. Climate change. A hurricane. Climate change. Tornado. Climate change. Rain. Climate change. Lack of rain. Climate change. It's on and on and on. Like morons. Because they're pushing an ideology. You have people in our country who are mouthpieces for the foreign minister of Iran. You know, we called people like that in World War II. Tokyo Rose. Tokyo Rose used to do broadcasts to American GIs, telling them they needed to surrender. They were going to be slaughtered. But this is a form of Tokyo Roseism, if you will, too. Mouthpieces for Iran. They even sound like the Iranian propagandists. So far away. They just want to get along with us. What's the problem? It's in Washington, these warmongers, the warmonger mongers, led by Lindsey Graham and Liz Cheney. We got to smear them. Got to smear them. Yes, Rand Paul, the ophthalmologist turned politician, chip off the old Ron Paul block. He knows. He's an expert. He knows. And you know what's interesting? For these radical libertarians and these code pink Republicans, if you really think about it, while they try to position themselves as America firsters, they're not America firsters. They're America lasters. They don't care if America's a superpower or not. They don't care if America has a navy that can extend what, all the way 8,000 miles away. Bombers, jets, what do you need all them for? Go overseas. So we're troublemakers. But in many ways, their rhetoric, if you listen carefully, overlaps with Bernie Sanders and the other American haters. The suggestion is that we're the imperialists, that we're the colonialists. We're no such thing. If we wanted to be imperialists and colonialists, we would have been. We'd be conquerors. We'd be using our atomic bombs, our nuclear weapons. Wouldn't be sending our men into alleys and so forth to fight door to door. Be awful. But it's not the first time we've had people like this. And it won't be the last. There's always been this element in the conservative movement that overlaps with the element in the left. There always has been a very conspiratorial and so forth. You know, the funny thing about our enemies, they tell us what they want to do. Now, they can be very sleazy about how they go about it. But they generally tell us what they're going to do. I don't mean in, you know, uh, dictionary-like detail with definitions. and so, No, they just tell us what they want to do. Why does Iran want ICBMs or nuclear warheads? They don't need ICBMs with nuclear warheads to hit Israel. Why is China building this international massive military force and taking these various bases away from the third world when they won't pay their debt? They don't need to tell us Verbally, ex- exclusively, what ex- in exquisite detail, we see what they, they're doing. They're telling us. Why did they build killer satellites that are up way, way in space? 
more than 8,000 miles away, I would guess. I don't know. Uh, to knock out our satellites. Because you knock out our satellites, you knock out our military's ability to have eyes and ears. In many ways, satellites has replaced you know, the, 19, the World War II style radar. But you also knock out our economy. We don't have any killer satellites yet. The president wants to have a space force. You know who's blocking him? The Democrats in Congress. Oh, in the code pink Republicans. That's why this battle is very important. I don't agree with the president on everything. I, even when I talk to the president, I don't agree with the president on everything. But that's not the point. The point is he's trying to do the right thing in so many areas. He's trying. And, and he's open to debate on this stuff. He really is. He's open to debate and discussion. On the left, they're ideologues. When it comes to foreign policy and the use of military, the key word is a word that was overused by George H.W. Book, but it's the key word. It's called prudence. Prudence, a mixture of wisdom and judgment and experience and current factual knowledge that exists. And so prudence, be prudent about it. Take it in like you're a serious judge. Don't come at this with an ideology. America first, yes, that's a given, at least among us, not on the left, but you understand. And then you've got to make decisions based on that. You can say, oh, they're 8,000 miles away. Okay, but they have missiles. I can go 10,000 miles. Oops. So bumper sticker stuff doesn't work. Or why are we over there, for God's sakes? <laughs> People must love war. They love war. They get, the whole industry is built around <laughs> Well, the whole industry is built around undermining America, too, and undermining the military. It's called the Democrat Party and the Code Pink Republicans. Iran is a direct threat to this country. I don't care what Rand Paul say and his media puppets. I don't care what they say. Iran tells us what Iran is, and Iran tells us what Iran is doing by its actions, by its own actions. They're a threat to this country. They have killed American soldiers. Well, that's our fault. They're over there. No, it's not our fault. We have American soldiers in a lot of places, and they're not killed for it. America's a force for good, not a force for bad. When we go into countries, we don't go into countries to replace good people with bad people. We do the opposite. And usually it's in our own national security interests, or at least we believe it is. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Bowling Branch. And now you've heard of Bowling Branch. Why do 97% of customers surveyed say they sleep better on Bowling Branch sheets? Is it the 100% organic cotton? is it that they get softer and softer over time. You just have to feel for yourself with bowl and branch sheets. They're the most comfortable sheets in the world. Now, they're loved by hundreds of thousands of Americans, including three American presidents. These are $1,000 sheets for just a couple hundred bucks, starting at $160. And for a limited time, you can get their luxury flannel bedding, perfect for cool weather. They keep cool sleepers warm and their breath so warm Sleepers stay cool. 
Now, Ball & Branch flannel sheets come in 16 stunning patterns and colors. You're guaranteed to find a style you love. You get one 30 nights to try them out. Shipping is always free. And right now, you'll get $50 off your first set of sheets at bowlandbranch.com with promo code MARK. That's the key, promo code MARK. It's spelled B-O-L-L, B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code MARK. That gets you the discount. Bowlandbranch.com, promo code MARK. All right, Mr. Producer, let me see if my call screen is available to me or if the Red Chinese have taken it down or the Islamo-Nazis in Iran. No, there it is. Steve, Manhattan, New York, the great WABC. You dare to disagree with me, sir. Yes. Hi, Mark. Yes, um, Steve. The, the problem with if, we, if, we, uh, if, if the regime collapses in Iran, Iran will become balkanized like former Yugoslavia and cause more troubles. And Iran's actually a great friend of Israel. You are a mental case. But thank you for calling. That guy got through. Did you notice, Mr. Producer? Steve is a, uh, well, I won't define him. He's a bad dude. Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go. Mark, what you were talking about earlier about the left, there's some quotes that, that confirm what you say. The communist press actually writes, yesterday's left is today's center. Today's left will be tomorrow's center. They also write about the unions or how we wage war against capitalism. Mm-hmm. Then in another pamphlet from the Communist Party, in a socialist America, unions become an instrument of control and implementation of the socialist way of life. So they're fighting on all levels. They got the schools, the unions, the media. Once you get the schools, you get everything. I mean, you could have the best missiles, the best army tanks, the best military, and all your guns are aiming at me. But if I control the schools behind your lines, and I'm teaching your children one, two, three generations away, I got you. Mm -hmm. And this is like a chess game where the enemy moves their piece, then they move our piece, then they move their piece, then they move our piece. It's set up almost like we can't win. And Trump came riding in like, like a savior on a white horse, like God sent him here. And he do, do you it. do you think how dare you use God? As you well know, the media will attack you. Let me ask you something, Jimmy. Uh, do you think this is one of the reasons they are so virulent in their hate of Trump and they want to destroy him? Well, they're socialist, and uh, America stands in the way of the world socialist movement. The communists and socialists say. And Trump came in and he's exposing them. So not only is he exposing the corruption and all the, I would call it stealing, you know, the money, all their operations they're doing, he put a stop to it. Now, I hope it's not temporary, but it's a stop. And now we have a chance perhaps to do something. And if Trump is really gaining support, as some of the surveys suggest with blacks, that is absolutely huge. The communists have been concentrating on the blacks in America for a hundred years. And they have pretty much control of the black leadership. So if we could wean some away, and, you know, I wish I could meet Candace Owens, because I know she knows a lot, but I have a sort of unique experience at my work inside the communist movement. I have publications, How to Penetrate the Negro Organizations. A lot of people would be startled. That was the title of the organization, of the publications, correct? 
uh, that, that's the title of the section in the, the mm. publications. Mm-hmm. I also have Soviet publications where they brag about helping Hitler. You know that the Soviets armed and supplied Mussolini. They sold Mussolini cement and steel that he used to build fortifications in Ethiopia and Africa. At the same time the Soviets were doing that, they had the American Communist Party in New York recruit blacks in order to help Ethiopia. Well, they did a pretty good job of recruiting whites, I must say. Oh, yes, and they got whites that hate white people now. That's another thing, the race. (coughs) The first time I saw the term white privilege was a 1970 publication from the Communist Party. Today, that's mainstream, particularly on the left. Mm -hmm. Very smart, very diabolical, very dangerous, and so far, they're successful. Capitalism is racism. To destroy racism, you have to destroy capitalism. That's all from the Communist Party. That's all mainstream now, particularly in the Democrat Party and their media. So we have a hell of a battle here. We have to do a massive education project. Years ago, I said something. People thought I was joking around. I said the American people have to penetrate the government. We have to get people in the government, U.S. intelligence. I was talking about it. It sounded funny, but I meant it. Mm-hmm. All right, Jimmy. Thank you for your call, my friend. Jimmy's been with us a long, long time. Good man. Wayne, Levensworth, Kansas, the great KCMO. Uh, are you inside or outside, sir? Uh, I've been outside for a long time, Mark. It, it's, yes. an absolute, it's an absolute honor to speak with you tonight. Thank you. Uh, I, I heard you speaking earlier about people not seeing the trajectory of this, co- of this country, and there is a group of about six million people across this country who understand where it's going and are trying to do something about it. They're called the Convention of Staters. I'm with you, baby. Go ahead. Anybody within the sound of my voice, please just research the Convention of States uh, uh, initiative. If your state hasn't already passed it, sign the petition, contact your local state representative, and get them to back it, please. I'll tell you what, Mr. Producer, let's get Mark Meckler on the program next week, too, to give us an update of where we are, because I happen to agree with this. Ladies and gentlemen, we have one hour left before I take off this week. Oh, yes, for Thanksgiving. I must never take vacations. Have you noticed that? When I'm not here, it's usually a health issue, a family member issue, an executive in the radio or TV business issue. I can't tell you the last time I actually was on a beach like a flounder just taken in the sun. I'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, everybody. Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811. Mr. Producer, maybe you can help me. How is it possible? How is it possible that I have massive ratings on WMAL and yet the World Series was on with the Washington Nationals? I just received a beautiful note from the program director there and said, 
your numbers are unbelievable. I'll tell you how it is, ladies and gentlemen, because you know it's at stake. Because you can walk and chew gum at the same time all over this country. And people are worried about what's happening. I'm listening to this propaganda that poses as news in network in my ears. Do you hear it too, Rich and Richie V? It is disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. And you know, Mr. Nadler now wants, he's offered the president and his lawyers to testify. Why would the president testify? Ladies and gentlemen, separation of powers. We have Article 1, Article 2. Let, let me help the media. We have Article 1, Article 2, and Article 3 in the Constitution. Article 1, for the most part, defines Congress. It does more than that, but we'll make it simple for them. Article 2, the executive. Article 3, the judiciary. Members of the judiciary do not come before Congress to testify about their court decisions and their opinions. Why? Separation of powers. The courts can't compel members of Congress to testify because members of Congress have separate powers. And the President of the United States would not voluntarily, and the Congress can't compel him to testify in front of Congress. Now, this is one of the reasons why this endless subpoena stuff is so sinister, and intentionally so, particularly when they're backed up by Obama judges. It is an attack on separation of powers. So now they say the President's counsel is free to testify after all the witnesses have testified in the House Judiciary, in the House Intelligence Committee. Isn't that clever? And the media will push it hard. Well, what's the president have to hide? And they're going to cherry pick their so-called scholars. Now we're going to have a debate over how fantastic Adam Schiff and has been and how devilish and evil Trump has been and how, of course, it's an impeachable offense. In fact, there's 412 impeachable offenses here. And this is all intended to feed the narrative, feed the media, and they hope have an effect on the outcome. That's what's going on. Michael, Palm Desert, California, Sirius Satellite. Go! Hello, Mark. How are you today? Good. How are you, sir? Great. I got to tell you something. Uh, For about 25 years, I was a Democrat. And one day I happened to flip the radio station around and I heard you call this guy a big jerk. You yelled at him. You hung up the phone and I said to myself, Who is this guy? I kept listening to you, and I've been listening to you ever since. And sometimes I'll even pull in the driveway, sit there, because I don't want to get out of my car, because I want to listen to you. I want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving, and thank you so very, very much for the education that, that you have given me. Listening well, to you is like taking a college course and, uh, at a good college, <laughs> like Hillsdale or something. But listening to you is like taking a course and learning yeah. so much about the Constitution and what goes on in this country. And I really appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. You're very, very kind. And I hope you have a wonderful Thanksgiving. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press. Don't hang up. Thank you. I was coming out of a... Uh, 
eating facility. I won't mention which one so I don't get in trouble with a certain family member. And uh, I bumped into a very, very nice guy who I've gotten to know here and there, not socially or anything, but I bump into him different places. A former Heisman Trophy winner. Tremendous professional athlete, too. And this individual said, I really enjoy listening to you at night, 6 to 9 p.m. every night. I said, well, I appreciate it. He said, no, 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 no. I learned so much. It's, it's, uh, it's remarkable. Now, you know why this is important for me to hear? And you can ask Mr. Producer this. It's important for me to hear because if I don't hear that feedback, I don't know if it's really interesting to you. I look at the ratings, which are absolutely through the roof. TV ratings through the roof. Levin TV doing spectacularly well. The books, but still, day to day, people really care about this stuff. And here's the thing, you do. And this is one of the reasons I get furious when the left trashes you, people in my audience, like you're not smart or you don't have a college degree or even if you have a college degree, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're smart. They're dumbasses. They are stupid. They don't even understand the liberty that surrounds them. No comprehension whatsoever. Zipporah. Los Angeles, California, 8.70 a.m., the great KRLA, where we are live and national. Go. Okay. Thank you so much, Mark, for taking my call. This is something that uh, everybody needs to know, especially the Jewish community in the in United States. I don't know if the audience knows, even if you know. I don't know if people know. Did you know that in 1932, a majority of Jews voted for Hitler? How do, you, how, do you, how do you know that? I know that from research. You can research it yourself, and the Germans kept very, very, very good records of these things. They always had it. Mm. You know why they voted? They said, and I know people who voted for him in Israel when I grew up. You know why? Older people. Because he promised, like Sanders, like all the Democrats, he promised free university and free healthcare, and of course, as soon as he got an end, they all read my comments, because he wrote that before he ran for chancellor. He wrote my comments. So they all knew how he felt about them, but you know what they said? It will blow over. It's just some, he won't be able to do nothing. He's just one guy. He won't be able to do nothing, and it blew over. If they said it will blow over, and we know how that ended. And then the, on the first day, of becoming chancellor on the first day, he confiscated all the guns in Germany. Mm-hmm. That was his first order. Collect the guns. So nobody will oppose him, ever. Mm-hmm. So only he had the guns. His army had the guns. No one had guns. They were collected. I'm sure, Mark, you know that they collected all the guns. That was his first order of the day. Then he became chancellor. Collect the guns. All right, my friend. Yes, when you disarm the population, we know what it leads to. And I agree with you. We must not accept that. And they do this, of course, because they want us to be safe, you know. They trash the cops, too. They would have us 
be disarmed, and they would trash the cops. And uh, I, I, it, it's absolutely irrational, and I'm not going to accept irrationality when it comes to not only protecting my family, but my God-given right, yes, to have a weapon. And that's the beginning and the end of it. Dan, Newmarket, Maryland, the great WMAL. How are you, sir? Hey, buddy. How you doing? Glad to reach you. I, I'm Thank excited you. to talk to you for the first time ever. Thank you. Hey, listen, you know, this summer we were on vacation, and my daughter, we were at the beach, and I thought she was reading one of those uh, trashy romance novels, and um, behold to me, she's reading Unfreedom of the Press. I couldn't believe it. 17 years old. Wow. You're, in, you're influencing the young people, and I want you to keep it up, because I was very impressed with that, and uh, it was a very happy moment. I just couldn't believe it, and I'm, I'm a true Republican, and I guess she is as well, but... Uh, Keep on giving out your message. Now, let me ask you, so you weren't 100% sure, really, probably we didn't discuss a lot of politics with her, right? Well, yeah, I mean, I was like 90% sure, but mm-hmm. definitely that, that put her over the top. But she did that on her, I'll tell you what, I'm going to send you a copy of Plunder and Deceit also. Do you, will you give it to your wife? Uh, your wife. Will you give it to your daughter? Yes, yes. All right. Thank you. Don't hang up. This is a good show. I, you know, with wonderful people calling. I don't think I'm going to stop. I think I'm going to uh, take over the guy behind me and go right into three in the morning. What do you think of that? Uh, let us go to Nathan, Savannah, Georgia, the great WTKS, our great affiliate there. How are you, Nathan? Mark, I'm doing well. I want to just get right to my point, and then I'd like to just give you a couple of pleasantries on the way out. All right. Um, I had the pleasure of talking to you on Father's Day. And I'm the guy that's been telling kids to download the Mark Levin app. I have reached my goal of 100. I'm wow. uh, at 106 and um, confirmed kids that have, these are kids that are 19, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've refined my pitch and all Levinites need to listen to me. What I did was forget the old pitch. I shortened it and made it sweeter. What I asked them, I said, hey, I want to ask you a question. I said, where do your rights come from? And they always say government every time. Okay. Or they, they, they say, well, this, that, government. I said, no. And I give them a chance, and I say, your rights come from God. Mm-hmm. And they always agree. And I come back and check on them. And on the way out, I get them to, you know, take your name down, or I write it down for them, Mark Levin, download the Mark Levin app, and my pleasantries are this, Mark. Um, you got the best bumper music ever. My wife and I adore you. Thank you. And I wish you and your family a happy Thanksgiving. It it, um, it always warms me to hear you say goodnight to your parents and your long-lost dog. Um, I lost my parents before you. That's the only thing I'll ever beat you at. And you are one of the founding fathers of this country. Well, I don't I know. You so much. But you're a sweetheart. You know, you I really Mark. I appreciate you and your and your wife and uh do you have little kids? I've got all grown kids now. Uh one marine and uh a daughter just turned 18. Now it's just dogs and one cat and and Mark, we love you so much. You are you are I equate you with the founding fathers. Listen to me. Country. I'm going to send you a cat. Do we have a liberty and tyranny, Mr. Producer? I'm going to send you what is the biggest conservative book in a generation, Liberty and Tyranny. Don't hang up, and I want to thank you. 
I cannot thank you enough and all the other wonderful people who are saying these things. They really have an impact on me. So thank you, and God bless you. I, I very much appreciate that. All right, Mr. Producer, where the hell is it? Let's see. To be honest, folks, I'm one commercial behind because I can't print out of the damn printer. So we're going to take a break. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. I want to talk to you again about an organization that's doing important work on college campuses across this country. If it didn't exist, we need to invent it. If its leader wasn't Charlie Kirk, we need to invent him too. In only seven years... Charlie Kirk and his team at Turning Point USA have created a conservative grassroots force, organizing and training students at nearly 1,500 college, quarter of a million of them so far. But we're still outnumbered and we're outgunned. But part of their work includes getting students out to vote this election and beyond. Folks, I love Turning Point because they're making a real difference. And with your support... They'll train up our own army of conservatives to take the fight to campus radicals in every corner of the country. They're playing offense, not defense, and it's working. They need our help. That's why I'm urging you to support Turning Point. They're winning, but they need your support to ensure conservative values are represented on every college campus in America. When you support them, your gift is matched thanks to generosity of several donors. Please. Consider supporting Turning Point, which is working tirelessly on college campuses to preserve the belief in limited government, freedom, and free markets. To the next generation of conservatives, go to markforturningpoint.com now. Give your support. It'll be doubled now through mid-December. That's markforturningpoint.com. People are driving to their next trip. I mean, on their trip. I know there's a lot of you in your cars, a zillion of you. I'm going to be one of them tomorrow. This is where I have to go to the dentist later, not because of what I eat, because I grind my teeth. I'm a bit of an aggressive driver. I don't mean mean. I don't roll down the window and look to get shot or anything. I just, I like to move. If you're in the left lane and you're going slow, get the hell out of the way. That's my best advice. Left lane, slow, Get the hell out of the way. Otherwise, follow me. I know what I'm doing on the road. You know why the gas pedal is here, Mr. Producer? Press the damn thing. Yes. Take a call here. Mark, what are you doing? Uh, let us go to James, Little Rock, Arkansas, Sirius Satellite. Go. Hi, how you doing, Mark? I'm Mr. Levin, I just wanted to thank you so much for your books. Um, thank you. They illuminating. Uh, America well, has made a big thank you, difference my friend. in my life. What a up? big difference. Thank you. Well, when I was a kid in college, I had Ann Rand, and, and mm-hmm. you know, I just couldn't uh, square with her, a lot of her, her philosophy. And, and then your books came along, and it really helped. I, I'm a physician. I had to study medicine, medicine, medicine. Oh, and, man, uh, it's tough to be a physician. People don't realize that. Yeah, but it's, it's so rewarding, and um, it... I'm an ER doc, so I'm actually driving oh, wow. ER right now. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you get immediate gratification from helping folks coming back from the abyss. You know, oh, I bet you do. Yep. But I wanted to thank you for 
Ameritopia so much, and your other books. I actually get them. For, I'm getting your next books probably for, for for Christmas. But it helped me so much. I for forever. I keep telling people that that liberals they're not liberal. They're con- profoundly conservative. And and Ameritopia, it, it, I and and pretty mad. I had to take a, a course called comparative anatomy. Mm-hmm. I I think of Ameritopia as uh, comparative tyranny. You know, just showing mm-hmm. again and again and again how all these ideas came back and finally were grasped by Marx and then let loose on the world. It, 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 anyways, I tell them, the American Revolution is what's liberal. Don't let anybody tell you that you're right wing. You're not. That I hate that phrase, which is exactly why the left uses it. Yeah, they, they, it implies you're a right-wing socialist. I have mm-hmm. nothing whatsoever to do with socialism. If you believe in the American Revolution, if you believe in America, you have nothing whatsoever to do with socialism. Left-wing, right-wing, it's all tyranny. Mm-hmm. Well, Doctor, you're great. I appreciate it, and thank you for your call. I couldn't agree more. We'll be right back. I figure we'll finish the show the last 30 minutes or so with you, the American people. So if you haven't called and you want to call, we have a full board. As soon as you hear me take a caller, that's the time to dial. You can kind of dial right up the last dial. Press the buttons like one, right up the last one or two button and just wait. That's the great secret because I used to do that when I was a kid. I would call the Bill Corsair Show, the Little Rascals, my buddy Bill and beautiful wife Janice and Wish them a happy Thanksgiving, too. Recently, over 100 million people had their personal information stolen in a major data breach. Social security numbers, contact details, credit scores, more, all taken from Capital One customers. There's a good chance you were affected. These are the kinds of attacks that are getting more frequent and more severe. And you need to protect yourself. You need to defend yourself. And it's not just Capital One. Equifax, Facebook, eBay, Uber, PlayStation, Yahoo, many, many more. Have all leaked passwords, credit cards, bank numbers belonging to billions of users. Billions. I never go online without ExpressVPN. And if you care about your privacy, confidentiality, and safety, you shouldn't either. Neither should your family members. ExpressVPN connects with just one click. It's lightning fast, costs less than 7 bucks a month. Use my special link, expressvpn.com slash mark. Use it right now to arm yourself with an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free. Protect yourself. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for an extra three months. Absolutely free. All right. Let's take a call, shall we? I think we can. Bardia. Dallas, Texas, the great WBAP. Go. Uh, pleasure talking to you. You're Thank you. Great, true, great human being. I can tell you that. Aren't you I've nice? Been li- I've been listening to you since the beginning, and I talked to you once. I don't know if you remember or not. My son was in the Marine in the military, so I talked to you a long time ago. Yes, sir. Uh, Thank I, you. I just want to tell you that you're hundred percent right about this government in Iran. Uh, they killing people right and left, and the people rise up about uh, 10 days ago. And you don't hear anything in the news anywhere. They try to cover it up. And uh, they killed over 400 people. And maybe 10,000 people got caught. They uh, put it in jail. And uh, they're doing a, like a, what you call it, uh, 
They beat them up, and even some anti-depression medication that tried to ruin their life and uh, cut their legs and hands and everything else. And uh, they tried to let the world know what's going on because they tried to hide that from uh, everybody else, especially in Europe. They cover up everything because they are dealing with this government. And uh, all the Iranian people all over the world, they had a demonstration past weekend, and even in uh, London, they tried to rid some of these people, which is a freedom over there to, you know, to demonstrate against what you believe in. Mm-hmm. And uh, they try to risk the people because of that. So I just want to let you know about that. And we do have an opposition to that, which is the late Shah's son, the prince, is still here in the United States. And he's the opposition and we're following him against his government, trying to get rid of it. So what Mr. Trump is doing, he's doing a great job trying to cut their hands off from getting the money and what caused all these rise up was about 10 days ago, they tried to raise the price of the gasoline three times higher than what it was. Mm-hmm. And the people don't even have the money to eat food or bread. And uh, that's what it caused about almost 400 cities people left at the same time. And they mm-hmm. couldn't control it. That's what they shut down the Internet. So they cannot let the people talk to each other against the government. Even some cities that people took over some of these uh, like a police department, stuff like that, and try to, we, we thought it's going to be over with, but uh, they sent some people from uh, Hezbollah and from uh, those people from Iraq to kill the people and beat them up. They even shoot them in a blank point, right? I can send you mm-hmm. thousands of clips that they shoot the people. They don't even have anything in their hands. They shoot them right blank point right in the front of them in the street. Mm-hmm. without any defense or anything like that. So, And isn't it amazing how little our media is interested in this? I'm quite serious. Well, that's what they try to do, because I don't know. It's something I just uh, figure out that always look like these people on the side of the dictators. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're always protecting these people and try to go against the other people that they try to have a freedom. Mm-hmm. And look how they celebrate Obama, who funded this regime. He funds this regime. And they act like it's no big deal. It's a big deal. It is a big deal because they spend all that money in Syria and in, the, in Hezbollah and the, in Yemen and all these countries try to just make a mess over there and try to stay in power. That's all they're trying to do. And uh, what uh, Trump did exactly cut off their hand. I mean, they don't have any money right now. And if it could keep continuing that, I don't want them to talk to these people. Mm-hmm. I don't care what Mr. Uh, uh, Senator uh, Paul Ryan tried to do, he tried to deal with these people, and you cannot make a deal with these people. Nah. Even God cannot make a deal with these people. These mm-hmm. are very bad people. Yep. You cannot even call them animals. No, because animals don't do to other human beings what they do. All right, my friend, I really appreciate your call very much. Uh, thank you. God bless you. Let us continue, shall we? I think we shall. Caleb, Duluth, Minnesota, XM Satellite, go! Hey, Mark, how's it going? All right. Doing well. Uh, So that's good to hear. Uh, So I founded a Turning Point USA organization up here in Minnesota. Minnesota. Say that again, sir? Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. I I like to call it the People's Republic of Minnesota. Uh, It's some pretty bad people up here. I mean, you know, you have uh, Senator Amy Klobuchar, Tina Smith. Uh, you have, of course, uh, Tax and Timmy Waltz, and you have the uh, the one goofball down there from Minneapolis, um, mm-hmm. Omar. Anyways, you know, there are a bunch of good patriots up here. You know, I try to do my best 
as I mentioned uh, to your Mr. Producer, I founded a Turning Point USA organization one week ago last year, and these universities do a very poor job at free speech, and on our college campus, they have a free speech zone, and this is outside, and in Minnesota... A free speech zone? A free speech zone, and Turning Point has an amazing message out that said there's no such thing as a free speech zone. A free speech zone is yeah, the it's called America. Of America. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. So we were out Bizarre. there last year. We were out there last year serving out hot chocolate, playing Christmas music. We were called all kinds of names. And, I mean, we do a good job of trying to get our message across campus. And just recently we had a poster that we were putting up that said, I love America. And a lot of those topics at Turning Point puts out should not be controversial at all. Anyone that lives in this country should be gracious enough to know the blessing that we have. And I think that's what we celebrate during this holiday weekend is being thankful, being thankful about living in America and being thankful for the blessings that we have. And a lot of these students on this college campuses, especially at the University of Minnesota, Duluth, don't know that. They don't feel the blessing that they have. And as serving in the military for 10 years and having served overseas for God bless months, you. You know, I've, I've really seen it. Mark, I have to tell you, the, the very first time I listened to your to your radio station, I was stationed down in Tucson, Arizona, and my boss would listen to it. I'd show up at a, at 11 o'clock at night, work till 7 in the morning, and the first time I heard it, I'm like, oh, wow, this guy's great. And I've been listening ever since. I bought your books. I tried to get them signed last year at the Student Action Summit down there in West Palm Beach. Unfortunately, I couldn't catch it, so hopefully maybe I'll be able to have a nice kind of... Are you, are you going down there this uh, couple of weeks? I'm planning on it. That's, that's the plan. Well, guess what? I'll be there. Now, you well, tell Charlie Kirk, if you're there, that we spoke and that I want to meet you. And you come over and you bring your book with you. If you don't have a book, maybe I'll have a book. I don't carry books, but we'll see. One thing, that, one thing you didn't mention, Mark, and I'm sure a lot of the, a lot of the students that help run Turning Point organizations realize this. I'm sure you're very well uh, familiar with it as well, because I actually received a copy of On Freedom in the Press from them. But the Leadership Institute, uh, Morton Blackwell, does a phenomenal job. at. Oh, listen, students. I'm a big fan of theirs, too. I mean, they're in campus reform. It's superb. Our, our last uh, incident on campus, uh, we've had hundreds of posters go missing off the wall. Hundreds. And the school has done not a darn thing not a darn thing and it's really it's really upset like you had a previous caller that mentioned there's so much going on and i'll tell you it is not fiction it's fact these liberal leftist people are are at the center at the core of controlling our education system and it's just a matter of time before it topples and i will assure you that i will not stop i will not rest until that voice and those voices of true american patriots can be heard I'll tell you what, you're, you make us all proud. I'm going to send you a signed copy of Unfreedom of the Press and bring it with you if you come so I can personalize it for you. And thank you for your service and your ongoing service. It's spectacular. Thank you. I, I am thrilled to hear from all these young people. I mean, it's just terrific. Don't lose hope, America. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. The 
thing is I have to pull over on the side of the road. I can't text while I'm driving because it's dangerous and illegal. And, you know, it's like the weather when it snows. The news people tell you, make sure you wear your galoshes. Who calls them galoshes? Don't forget to wear a hat. It's chilly out there. You might have earmuffs. What the hell is earmuffs? Don't forget your gloves. Bring a shovel. Make sure you're wearing a coat. Don't forget your pants. Don't mini... I'm going, who are these idiots? Well, they are who they are. Let's see, Mr. Producer. What do you want from me here? I'm looking. Oh, there it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I found it. So it looks like Nancy Pelosi's socialist health care bill is on life support in the House. But check. Chuck Grassley's socialized health care plan is still very much alive in the Senate. Thanks, Chuck. I'm going to stay on this because we can't risk either plan passing, quite frankly. The Pelosi plan is worse, but the Grassley-Wyden plan is nearly as bad because it calls for government price controls, and we know those always work. A system of price controls uses the power of government to arbitrarily force companies to set prices at a level determined by bureaucrats. In other words, the Grassley-Wyden plan allows government to dictate to a private company what price they can sell their products for. Chuck, you've lost it, baby. Socialist price controls discourage investors from investing in manufacturing and finding new drugs and would eliminate the seed money for the next small biotech startup from getting off the ground. But these lifelong, long-on-the-tooth politicians... They know nothing of markets. They don't know how any of this stuff works. All they're about is trying to get reelected. Now, folks, they would decimate America's robust biotech industry, eliminate jobs, crush the hopes of millions waiting for the next breakthrough. The reason we have the greatest biotech industry on the face of the earth, and it includes pharmaceutical companies, is because we're not socialist. Tomorrow's innovative drug treatments are not going to come from hearings in Congress. They're not going to come from meetings with senators and congressmen. They're not going to come from government legislation. Cures depend on the millions of dollars invested in biotech research. Private dollars. It's time to pull the plug on the grassley widen bill because it's just another crazy socialist fantasy. Folks, get the facts. Go to truehealthcarefacts.com, truehealthcarefacts.com. That's truehealthcarefacts.com. Full board, Jim, Pensacola, Florida, XM Radio, our wonderful satellite radio. How are you, sir? Sir, it's a pleasure to talk with you. Um, I don't miss the show. (laughs) And um, I just would like to say I know you've been talking about Iran, um, and I used to live there Um, Mm -hmm. back in the early 70s. I was a child. I was 10 and 11. And um, I would just like to say that the few, I know there's a, a lot of them, but the few um, radical, tyrannical uh, mullahs and every other name you can call them in the Revolutionary Guard, they, they're holding people that are just like us down. Those people want to be free. I know that, I know that you know that. And yes, they're people, Persians, and the Persians want to be free. Sir, they, when I lived there, I know it was a long time ago, but when I lived there, we walked down the streets. We, they, people loved us. They, they, they loved Americans. They wanted to be free. They wanted democracy even back then. And the Shah was in power, but he still was better than these radicals they have now. I mean, he, 
he just uh, he was their king. But he, he I agree a hundred percent. Yes, sir. And uh, my father was a liaison there. And then uh, seven years later, who would have known what happened? We left there in 72, and it was so sad that I was 17 at the time, and I joined the military myself. Um, but I, I just wanted to say that I, I feel for the people of Iran, that the people that are just out there like us, like I'm sitting in a public parking lot now, I'm looking around and thinking, these people could be Iranians. Uh, they they, they want to be like us. And uh, But the, it just it's just sad. It's just sad what has happened. And knowing I lived there, and I had very good Iranian friends, um, I learned a lot of the uh, Iranian language, Farsi. Um, I have good memories of it, and I don't want to keep you long, but I just, I, I just feel for those people with my heart. But mm-hmm. also, if I can say one more thing, mm-hmm. I am so heartened when I hear you every Sunday, and on your radio show, too, you do it, but on Sundays when I hear you um, talk about the Constitution and you just let it out. I love it, and you give me such a well up inside. And I'm a retired military captain, and wow. I, I just I just get welled up inside listening to you tell us what the Constitution says when all of the Democrats in Congress are trying to tell us what it means, and we are smart enough to know what it means without them telling us. And I just love you for it. Well, let me tell you something, Captain. I salute you, and I want to thank you very, very much. And God bless you for your service too. And you take care of yourself. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Rich, how much time do I have? Well, three minutes is plenty of time. Thursday, obviously, is Thanksgiving. A lot of you are traveling now. A lot of you are going to travel tomorrow. I really do want you to be careful because you're patriots and we can't afford to lose any of you, okay? Take your time. There's no point in rushing. I'm going to be caught up on 95 for hours and hours, and I've just resolved to deal with it. So be it. But I want to thank you all. Thanksgiving is about thanking. And who are we thanking? Look around the table. Thank your family. If your parents are still alive, thank your parents. Your grandparents are still alive, thank your grandparents. They built this country. Look at your children. That's who we're fighting for. And we're fighting in this country. For our children and our grandchildren. Because we don't want liberty turned over to these people. We don't want this enormous, massive government and bureaucracy turned over to these people. Look at the food on your table. 95% of the world does not eat like this. Thank your fellow man. Thank the founders for the capitalist system that they enshrined in our constitutional system. For the respect of the individual. And faith. Such brilliant men. And. Thank the good Lord. Because without him there's nothing. Nothing. And I want to also take this opportunity. To thank each and every one of you. You're fantastic people. Fantastic people. And together. We will overcome. Oh, and Mr. President and your wonderful family, we want to thank you for everything you're doing. We stand behind you. And have a wonderful, wonderful Thanksgiving. God bless each and every one of you. I will be back here on Monday. Be well. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.